Just kidding. I just say that because I say that. But I go past 20 minutes, so pray for your pastor, all right? Do you guys got Bibles? Usually I come up with like a really cool sermon title. I think this is the coolest sermon title uh, I've ever come up with. I just got to give you a quick heads up. We're a young adult ministry. We meet here every Tuesday. Uh, Tuesdays are just a part of the week. We're not a Tuesday church with Sunday services. We're a Sunday church with a young adult Tuesday service. How many of you guys were at church this past Sunday at Osceola High School? 25 baptisms this past Sunday. Wild. Most of them are youth, young adults, and some of their parents. It was crazy. So if you got baptized, if you got baptized, can you stand up in the room? If you got baptized this Sunday, can you make some noise for all the people that went public with their faith? Let's go. I honor you. We celebrate you. Love you guys. What is baptism? Outward expression of an inward confession. If you said yes to Jesus, that's what the Bible commands us to do. Amen. We believe our old self dies in the water and a new self was risen up after we're baptized. Come on, I'm so excited. You guys are awesome. If you're sitting here, man, I should have got baptized this Sunday. We do it once a month, y'all. Once a month. So it's happening once a month. So like I said, I think this is the coolest sermon title ever. It took so long to come up with. And it's actually um, the verses we're reading today. Our, our title today is Matthew 11, 6. It's the title of my message. And here's why it's the title of my message. Because I'm going to the Bible. Hold up. Let me, let me not jump the gun. Somebody say next Tuesday. That was like five people. What's that? That's water? Can I make some noise for Kevin one time? Cheers. I feel like Aquaman, bro. I'm ready. Right? What, what does he mean by that? I don't know. I just said it. Next Tuesday, she never gave me a mic. Next Tuesday, we start a brand new sermon series titled Over My Dead Body. It's gonna be nuts. Every time we start a series, it's always a special moment. Cause it's like you just started a new season of Netflix, right? It's like episode one. It's like, here we go. Let's see what this is all about. Gotta bring my friends out, right? So we're probably gonna go four weeks into that. I'm not preaching next Tuesday. Our Pointiana youth pastor, Pastor Dennis, is speaking next Tuesday night. He's gonna kick the series off, and then I'll jump into week two, and then we'll keep having fun for the rest of the year. Somebody say Matthew, Matthew. 11, 6. This message is not a sermon series. It's a standalone sermon. I was going through the Bible, and this verse jacked me up. Can I be honest with y'all? It jacked me up. Let's read it. Verse 11. We'll start at verse 11. And this big, beautiful Bible behind me. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples. Somebody say 12 disciples. 12 disciples. So when you look at Jesus' ministry, it started when he was 30. It ended when he was 33. And the entire three, min three years of his ministry, he always had 12 dudes hanging out with him. That was his small group, y'all. So Jesus is the example. We follow Jesus. Amen. Jesus prayed. Man, if Jesus prayed, we got to pray. Amen. If Jesus, who is God, prayed to the Father, we need to pray to the Father. Yeah. Jesus got baptized. Anybody been baptized in the room tonight? Anybody been baptized? Yeah. Jesus got baptized. Jesus went to church. And he also had 12 guys always hanging out with him. That's a great way to live. When Jesus had finished his church, I love just stopping and doing that, right? 
First time guests are like, I know I shouldn't have come here. He went out. We love you so much. It's going to get better. He went out. He went on from there to teach and preach in their cities, right? Now, when John heard in prison, right? So John the Baptist is the guy who came before Jesus. He was to make, he was to make way for Jesus. And you have the New Testament in the Bible and the Old Testament and the Old Testament and predicted all of this, right? So Jesus being alive and even his death kind of fulfilled hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. And the chances of all of them being right to the year that they were written is like one in a trillion. So it goes to the point that our Bible is not fake. It's not fiction. It's not an old book. It is historically, it is mathematically, scientifically, and prophetically legit. Jesus is about to do some crazy things. And John, who was before Jesus, he hears about it. And he's like, who is this guy? I didn't see who this guy is, right? So this is how you got to read the Bible. You gotta, who is this guy? Who's this guy, Jesus? Who, let's see if he's the guy. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples, his small group. <laughs> he said to him, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So John's in prison, and he's like, God, I'm fulfilling, I'm fulfilling your assignment on my life. And, and sometimes your, your assignment leads me to prison. I understand that, and it's still your will. And God, you're still good. And, and, and I know my assignment is to make way for the one that is to come to save the world. So there's someone who's kind of sounding like the Savior. He sends his 12. He sends some of his disciples out, and, and, and they go to Jesus. And they're like, hey, are you the one who is to come? Are you the Savior? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Because John, he's thinking, he's praying for the one, and you kind of sound like him. If it ain't you, we're going to move on and look for the next one because we're, we're trying to fulfill our assignment. And Jesus answered to them. I love Jesus' answer. He says, go and tell John what you hear and see. This is when it gets fun. The blind receive their sight. Tell him what I'm doing so he knows who it is. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Oh my God, can I tell you I'm the Messiah because I'm healing people, I'm delivering people, I'm saving people, I'm opening blind eyes. Oh wait, John, there's one more thing I got to tell you for you to know that I'm the one that got sent here. And that's Matthew 11:6. 6. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I don't know if you... Uh, the blind receive sight. The lame, they walk. And lepers are cleansed. The deaf, they hear. The dead, they're rising up. The poor, they got good news preached to them. Oh, by the way, and people are offended by me. By the way, hold on. Don't tell them all the stuff I'm doing, but tell them, tell them. People don't like my teaching. My teaching actually offends people. Because my teaching is a humble teaching. My, my teaching says, turn the other cheek. In 1 Corinthians, Paul's talking to the church of Corinth. There's a real city in a real time. Not this time, but back then, somewhere in, in, in Europe. And he's preaching to the, the church of Corinth. And... He tells them, Paul's writing to them, right? Like they're babies, like legit. I started this church, I left, and like there's like men sleeping with their, their son's wives, and it's, 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 it's disgusting. So he writes this letter. He, he writes in, in Corinthians, and, and if, you, if you read the Bible, if you have a Bible, read First and Second Corinthians. That's the, the 2019 we're living in, people fighting for their rights. And, and, and Paul says, listen, 
I got a lot of warnings. I got a lot of sins you shouldn't do. I got a lot of lifestyles you shouldn't be living by. Because if you're saved, if you got Jesus, you wouldn't be doing these things. And I got to kind of correct you. But I want to let you know that in the end, there are two groups. It's a group that makes it into the kingdom. And there's a group of people that don't. And I know it's going to offend you, but I'm not saying this to warn you like your alarm clock. I'm saying this to warn you like the fire sprinklers are going off. Like, like this is the final warning. Like, like this is it, yo. And Jesus says, blessed is the one who is, offend, who is not offended by me. Here's my main idea tonight. If you don't get this, you don't get any of it. In this life, you will either be offended by Jesus or enamored by him. In this life, you hear the message of Jesus of being offended or you'll be enamored by him. How can I be offended by Jesus? His teaching. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I'm the way. Someone say, the. The, the Bible doesn't say, I'm a way. I'm not a way. I'm not, I'm the truth. Someone say, the truth. I'm not a truth. And he says, I'm the life. Someone say, the life. I'm not a life. Someone said, everyone. Someone say, everyone. No, no, no. It says, no one comes to the Father except through me. You are either offended by that or you're enamored by that. Here's the scary part. No matter what you feel, he's still right. C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, he said, Jesus is either liar, lunatic, or Lord of all. And, and, I like that last one. And Jesus says, hey, let him know I'm the Messiah. Oh, let him know people hate me. You see, listen to me. Listen to me. You got to catch this. You got to catch this. Because a lot of people right now, they're, they're feeling like, okay, so Jesus, he's, he's direct. He's direct. He's the way. There's one way. And, and he's offensive sometimes. And I understand. But, but do you really understand that? Because there's, in the last 150 years within the church, within society, there have been teachings. There's been this undergird of theology that has slid into culture that has says, hey, everybody makes it to heaven. All roads lead to heaven. God doesn't hate people. He loves people. So if he loves people, why would he allow them to be away from him? And they look at the Bible and they are offended. So they choose to either change what's written or erase what's written. They said this Bible has too many rules. They're coming against me. So instead of me bending to God, I'm going to make God bend to me. That's not, Jesus didn't say I'm one of the ways. I'm the only way, yo. I'm the only way. You know saying? That's rude or that's amazing. He kept it so clear. He kept it so straight up. He said, yo, there's going to be a lot of different things going on. A lot of lowercase G's, but I'm the big God. A lot of lowercase gods with eyes and they do not see, with ears and they do not hear, 
with mouths and they do not speak, with hands but they do not reach. You should have no gospel. Universalism is something that is preached today. What's universalism? Let's, 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 let's do it. Let's talk about it. Universal is a philosophical and theological concept that some ideas have universal application. Some ideas in the Bible have universal application or uh, applicability. A community that calls itself universalist may emphasize the universal principles of most religions and accept others in an inclusive manner. This is not something that was really happening a long time ago. This is something in the last 150 years, people are looking at the Bible and saying, this isn't really true because it doesn't make me feel good. This isn't really true because it's not bending to my reality. This is an old book with old teachings. There's no power, only in the parts that I feel like it. But that's not the Bible. And listen, next idea, the problem of everyone being right is that once every answer is labeled correct, they're all now incorrect. Select the door. Okay, it, I'm going to select door one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. No, Cheryl. I didn't say select all the doors. I said select one of the doors because behind one of the doors is your prize. And if you say that they're all your choice, none of them are your choice. You got to pick one and you're like, I want it. They're all good. No, if they're all good, they're all bad. One's a vacation. One's a, one's a punch buggy. One's, a, one's actually a, a, a pogo stick. I'll take a pogo stick. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but compare a pogo stick to a vacation. Compare a religion that you follow until you die. But when you wake up and you see the God, uh, you see Jesus face to face, wouldn't that be unfortunate for you to all believe everything the world says around you is true to meet the God that gave you the truth and you ignored it because it didn't really line up with your lifestyle and with your feelings. Wow. You're either offended or you're enamored. But God is love. He loves everyone. Everyone's going to heaven. That is incorrect. Just because he is love doesn't mean that he's he denies his direction. His direction is evidence of his love. His direction is evidence of his love. Why do your parents correct you? Because they love you. His, their correction is evidence of their love. Why would I lead you down a cliff to die? I'm going to put warning signs and 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 warning signs. This is not the way to get to destruction. Keep doing what you're doing. But to come to my kingdom. If he didn't give specific directions, then that would prove that he did not care. Here's, here's the problem. The problem is, is that theology is, go ahead and put the next idea, is not a product of the Bible, it's a product of the time. This theology, that theology of universalism is not a product of the Bible. It's not ideas from the Bible. It's a product of the time. People are bored with the Bible. The last 150 years, people have been bored, and they said, no, this doesn't line up with how I feel. I need to change my beliefs because this isn't right. Which is 2019. How can a God really not accept all people? Because God says, no, you don't come in with your own blood. You come in with the blood of Jesus labeled over you. You guys remember the Passover message? 
couple, couple weeks ago. You guys remember that? You guys are here? It's the blood of the lamb that deems us entry into, into heaven. That theology, and listen, you got to be careful. You're not a Christian of the time you're in, but you're a Christian of the Bible. Because if you're a Christian of the times you're in, you're going to leave new birth when you figure out that you can't do everything you want to do and love Jesus. You're going to leave the church because we don't allow you to blatantly sin and choose a life of sin. We're going to get alongside of you and say, hey, Papa, hey, Mama, we love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and all of our soul. And because we love you, there are some things that you need to adjust, that you need to change, that you need to fix, and God's going to reveal it, and the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it, and, and you're going to feel like, man, this life I learned is not a life that'll lead me to the right path. Please don't be a product of the time. You, you want to know how you're being a Christian and the product of the times you're in when you're bouncing around churches every other week? And I'm not talking about those who are committed to a church. If you're committed to a church, what's up? How you doing? I love you. But if you're bouncing around houses, if you're bouncing around different houses, how can you expect roots to ever get planted in the house? If, if every other week you're uprooting the plant, you're uprooting the plant, get planted. If it's not here, go somewhere. Go to a church that believes in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, everybody. Come on, somebody. Believes the Bible. But get plugged in. Don't be a product of this time. I don't need a community to be Christian. That's a product of this time. You do need community. The Bible says, confess your sins. James 5, 16. Confess your sins to one another and you're healed. Iron actually really does sharpen iron, the Bible says. One strand, you could break that thing like nothing. But five strands together is not easily broken. We need community. Do not be a Christian in the product of your time, but be a product of the Bible. Next idea, be a product of grace and not a product of the time you live in. And let's go back to Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 to 6. Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you heard and see. The blind received sight, the lame walked, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised up, poor got good news preached to them. Oh, and by the way, people are starting to get offended by me. I had a question for you. And here's the question. The question is not my question for you. This is your question to me. Here's the question. How is it that you're either one or the other? How? How is it that you're either offended or enamored? Offended, oh man. I think, I think God's telling me how to be or, or enamored. God's showing me the way to, to go home. How is it that you can be one or the other? Can I tell you? That is because, go ahead and put it up. That is because you would either let pride, fear, and complacency push you to fight for your rights. Or you will let humility rule your life and surrender to the God of order, authority, holiness, and grace. So the only, the way you can be one or the other is if you let pride in the way. You see, like tonight at the end of the message, we're going to do an altar call. We're going to do an altar call. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. You can either let your pride get in the way, fear get in the way, comfort get in the way, or you can lean into humility. You can lean into surrender, the true posture of a human being, and you can say yes to Jesus, and your entire eternity is flipped just like that. So yeah, there's a way you can be offended, but there's also a way you can fall in love. 
And Jesus, the story of Jesus is not a story of law, it's a story of grace. Jesus did not abolish the law, he fulfilled the law. Somebody says, I can't be Christian because I can't follow the law. Well, follow Jesus and he will lead you to following the law. Without Jesus, the law is incomplete, but without the law, without the truth, it's just grace. And Jesus is the balance of grace and truth. Can I get an amen tonight? So how can I be one or the other? I think pride's in the way. I think fear's in the way. I think complacency's in the way. And when God pushes you to grow, you push to your flesh. You push to what you know. You push to everything you've done instead of leaning into courage. Instead of leaning, instead of being a coward, leaning into courage and running into the arms of God, being fully embraced by him. There's nothing better than being held by God's arms. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about emotionally. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about financially. I'm talking about relationally. I'm talking about philosophically, theologically, to be able to just lean and trust trust on God, man, it really feels like I'm being human. Anybody else agree? I'm really human when I'm with my father. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. rather be offended or enamored. Worship team, come up, and I want to sing Let There Be Light, because that's like one of my favorite songs ever. How many guys love worship music? We are a church that worships, if you don't know. If you haven't figured that out yet. We're going to be scheduling these worship nights coming up really soon. Nights with the agenda is to worship until our voices go out, and to jump until our legs are tired. <laughs> Next week, Over My Dead Body starts up. I can't wait for that. Again, young adults, we're really putting an age limit on our services just because of the information. We're going to be talking about some serious stuff in the next couple of weeks. So 18 and up, that's our young adult ministry, by the way. So if you're in the room, 18 and up is kind of like how we're rocking out here. Hello. Somebody say he's a good, good father. You are either offended or enamored. You are either offended or enamored. But can I tell you, what helps you decide which path you choose is your perspective of God and your perspective of yourself. You see, it's hard to surrender to someone you see at an equal. Like, if you've ever been in a job before and you got placed as the same position as someone else, and for some reason they feel like they're your boss, and you're like, bro, we got the same schedule. We get the same hours and money. We got the same position. My smile's a little better than yours. I'm trying to act like you the boss around here, dog. It's hard to surrender to someone when you see them in the same position. But when you know you got a boss, you right, you right. I'll, I'll clock out, I'll clock out, you right. <laughs> you right. You right, I'm chilling in the back. You right, I'll clock out, I'll clock out. I think your growth is determined by your perspective of God. I think tonight is a great night. You felt love, you felt the Holy Spirit, you felt friends, man, you felt the message, you felt worship, everything was great. But your perspective can change 
how you see Jesus theologically. I'm the only way. That's contrary to what society believes right now. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And no one goes to the Father. What makes you jump from offended to enamored is your perspective of God. And in 1 John 3, it simply says, come on, put the verse up. See what great love the brother, no, it didn't say that. See what great love, Matthew, I'm sorry, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. The Father. God is not your brother. He's your friend. He wants to be your friend. But that's just him being a cool dad. You got, you know, you got uncool dads that don't really want to be their children's friend. I can't wait to have kids. I want to be their best friends. It's like, hey, buddy, you can't talk yet, but I love you, bud. Go play basketball. I know your legs don't work yet, but hello. I'm going to watch you play basketball. You got to be your friend. So Jesus wants to be your friend, but really, he's still your father. He's just being a good, good father. And that's the perspective that leads you to not being offended, but being enamored. You see, my parents raised me in a way that they like to talk to me. How many of those parents that like to talk? Some of y'all are like, man, if, I, if we ever talked in a conversation with my mom, a chocolate that came in like 3.2 seconds, curved around the kitchen, and slapped me in the head. I didn't even know what was going on. I had my beats on, and I, I got like stars, and it was crazy. We don't talk in my house. We just, well, in my house, we, we talk. We talk, and I don't know if that's good because I talk too much now. We talk, we think, and we talk about stuff. I mean, I got beat. Don't lie. I got beat young in my days, y'all. But it was like a good mixture, right? Somebody say talk. I can't imagine if I had kids and they'd look at me one day and, and dead look at me in the eyes and be like, Dad, you offended me. Like, what? <laughs> Give me 10 push-ups right now. Give me 10 push-ups. No, 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 don't, 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 don't do that. Give me 10 push-ups. Why are you crying? Now you got to cry. Do 10 push-ups. <laughs> what are you doing, bro? Offended. Because you, you, you corrected me. Because you, because you told me I couldn't do that. Man, I'm sorry this offends you, but I'm only doing that because I love you. And you don't see it now because you're a child. But when you become my age, you'll know it's not okay to put your hand on the stove when it's red. You don't understand that right now. So me hitting your little wrist, you might get offended. I'm sorry, but I love you. And I will not apologize for my action of love. I will only apologize for not telling you why I let you go through that. For not telling you. God doesn't have to apologize to us. Can we be real? We, we don't we need an apology from God. So, Pastor, how do I go from offended to enamored? Do you see God as your father? A good father, not like earthly fathers. Some of your fathers haven't even been around. I'm not talking about that, that type of dad. We're praying for you. God can show up in your life and be the best father you ever had. I'm talking about a good, good father. A good, good father. How do I go from being offended by the messages to falling in love with the messages? Understand that's God trying to correct you and take you somewhere you've never been before. 
How do I take the worship instead of being like this weird karaoke? How do I turn it into life transformation? You're not singing to lights. You're not singing to a screen. You're singing to your good, good father. You sing a song. Say, God, you are good. You're my father. I don't understand where I'm at. I'm in the valley. Like Chris was saying, I'm stuck somewhere. But you're a good father, and you want the best for me. Bible was specific when it said only children enter the kingdom of God only children only children enter the kingdom we're all gonna be babies no 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 we know who our daddy is we know who our daddy is if you're offended by God you've lost sight of your vision of who he is because he's a good good father Barbie, I close.